So we're on this journey to find out more about the Holy Spirit. And as I shared with you last, last week, you know, my background is a lot like a lot of, a lot of yours. I was raised Methodist. And uh, the Methodist Church did a lot of great things in me. They taught me a lot of, about the Bible. But Holy Spirit really was never mentioned unless it was in a creed we were, we were repeating or something like that. And I didn't really understand what Holy Spirit, what kind of role it played in the life of a believer. As we're going to see, the Holy Spirit is basically why the church is who it is today. Every denomination, every move of God, even the Methodist church, John Wesley was a man that was, his, his heart burned within him, and, and the Holy Spirit did mighty works through him. I mean, Benny Hinn wasn't the first one to see thousands of people fall on the ground. John Wesley, 5,000 people out there, and it looked like a cannon just shot down through the middle of them. And There was a time when there was spontaneous, the Holy Spirit just started going. See, they did crazy stuff. They, he was a heretic because he went and preached outside the church building because, you know, God dwells within a building. And he'd go out there, and the Holy Spirit just hit, and they had thousands and thousands of people out there. He's up on top of a... Uh, the tombstone preaching, and all of a sudden, 10 other pastors jump up on stumps and tombstones and start preaching all at the same time. I mean, that's crazy. And as we talked about last week, I don't know, I think I shared this with you, but, you know, uh, there was a time when uh, the rafters, when church service over, three of the rafters in the church building was busted in two. I mean, what, what, what kind of church service is that? And today, you know, I really think that the glitch we had in worship today and just being able to stand in the presence of God with just our voices is a good step for us because for a lot of us, that's very uncomfortable to just stand there and just praise God with our voices. Just let our heart sing unto the Lord. Let us just speak praises and worship unto the Lord. And the thing of it is, is if we have a hard time doing that, it's going to, to move in what the Holy Spirit is actually trying to take us to is going to be very difficult. And I understand the fear of man, but there comes a time in our, in our lives that we, we've got to fear God more than we fear man. And, and the fear of God, you know what the fear of God is? The fear, I'm preaching a whole different message. The fear, the fear of God isn't, is when you enter into a place of revelation of, of how beautiful how gracious, how loving, how kind. We have never experienced that. When you get into a thing that is so wonderful, a person that's so filled with love, it's a fearful, it's a fearful thing. Right? And the thing of it is, is that fear can be on you. Men can fear, you can have the fear of the Lord on you. By walking in the Spirit. Men and women can see you. There's, there's, been, there's been people, Smith Wigglesworth has been walk, he went into a, a train car. And he, all he did was go in there. He was getting ready to, to get off. So he went into the washroom, washed his face, washed up, just clean, cleaned up. Wasn't, doing, wasn't in there praying or you know, speaking in tongues or doing anything like that. All he's doing is washing himself out. He came out of the car and there was two priests, Catholic priests there. And the man just shouts out, Sir, you convict me of sin. 
just because of the presence of God on it. See, these are things, our church history, people don't understand what God has done in the past. And those were just glimpses. Those are just little, little things of what the church is going to look like before the glorious return of our, our Savior. We're going more and more into the glory of God. And last week, we just, this is very basic. Last week was pretty basic. And I'm going to continue on this idea of, of just building, building up from who the Holy Spirit is until to a place that we understand of how it relates to us. But because a lot of people, when you say Holy Spirit, you think of like a, a ghost or a mist or a, um, a power. That the Holy Spirit is the power of God. Yeah, the Holy Spirit has power. But the truth of the matter is, is Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. It's not an Holy Spirit is not an attribute of God. Holy Spirit is 100% God. Jesus Christ is 100% God. Right? And the Father is 100% God. And we talked about the, uh, the fourth beetle. We talked about how everybody knows the, uh, the first three beetles. You got John, right? You got Paul. You got Ringo. But the fourth beetle is kind of hard to remember. Oh, George. George Harrison. And Holy Spirit is a lot like the fourth beetle. Yeah, he, he was part, he's part of the team, but we really don't talk about him. He doesn't get very much fame or, or notoriety. And that's how a lot of people in the church are, and, and churches are. We don't, we don't talk about, about the fourth beetle. We don't talk about Holy Spirit. And then there's the other reaction that you get is the reaction of Mufasa and from the Lion King. Is, is the, the hyenas, you know, every time they said the word Mufasa, they go, ooh, that's scary. And that's, a, that's another attribute that, that, that the church and, and um, people have put on Holy Spirit is you don't talk about the Holy Spirit because he's scary. You never know what he's going to do. He'll make you do weird things. He'll make you do crazy things. And we go, ooh, Mufasa. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that the Holy Spirit is God. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he will do things that your carnal mind can't understand. Right? He, he does things that only God can do. He say, speaks things into your life that only God can speak. He reveals things that only God can, can do. And that should make a person say, whoa, that's kind of, this is real. This, that's that's kind of scary. And the thing of it is, is the more you come into relationship with the Holy Spirit, the, the, the less scary it is. Think about Moses. Moses was at Mount Sinai, and it said that the cloud of God, the presence of God, Holy Spirit, was coming down on Mount Sinai. And the people feared and trembled. And they told Moses, you go up and speak to him, at least we die. They seen judgment. They seen death. And Moses, it says, Moses walked up into the cloud, into the glory of God, it says. Moses seen the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? Remember, he showed Moses his hindsight. And it says, I will pass by you and I will show you my goodness. He says, I want to see your glory. And he says, okay, I'll show you my glory. And my glory is my goodness. 
Whenever, whenever the glory of God is manifest, it's the goodness of God manifesting in our presence. And we went through some attributes that Scripture gives the Holy Spirit. We've seen that He's intelligent. He has intelligence and knowledge. He speaks and guides. He commands and appoints. He, ha- he has feelings and can be grieved. He can be lied to, resisted, quenched, and blasphemed, the Bible says. Holy Spirit is a divine person we seen last week. He has attributes as a, as a being, a person. He, he, he has emotions, right? To be grieved means that you have emotions. You ever hear rejoicing in the Spirit? Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, it says. He can, be, he can, be re, he can rejoice. And when, if the Holy Spirit's in you, it causes an eruption within you. I mean, have you ever felt like you were just going to explode if you didn't say something or shout out a hallelujah? Or <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. So this, this week we're going to look at that the Scripture gives these divine attributes to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is just not a, a person, but He's actually God. So we see that He's omniscience, he's, which means all-knowing. In John 16, 12 through 13, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. We're going to be talking about this scripture later on in the message, but think about this. Jesus said that it's better. I tell you the truth that that I go away. That the Holy Spirit might come. And he's going to teach you all truth. He, he will guide you all truth. And we talked about last week, this, this, this scripture where it talks about who knows of the man but the spirit that is in the man, right? And who knows the things of God but the spirit of God. And then he goes on to say, and we have the spirit of God. So God knows you, and you have the ability to know the, the things of God because the spirit of God is within you. The two have become made one. We've become into union with him. And you're saying, well, why don't I know all the things of God? Well, how, how much time do you spend with God? How, how much time do you spend re- relating and worshiping and communication with God? How many times has the issue happened in life that you just patiently, as we read earlier before praise and worship, patiently for the Lord to deliver you? And have him give you wisdom and insight. No, what we do is we run right out and we got a financial problem. We run right out, find a 0% interest credit card. That'll fix my problem. Or we run, we run out and see if we can get a loan at the bank. Or we run to our parents or we do this or we do that. Right? Instead of just sitting and letting Holy Spirit do a work, bring revelation, bring truth, bring wisdom into your situation. Also, the Bible shows that he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Romans 8, 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through His Spirit who dwells in you. And this is something we're going to talk about in, in teachings to come, is that, that the Holy Spirit literally is responsible for making you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ made it possible before you to become a new creation in Christ Jesus, but Holy Spirit is the one that actually brings that, raises us from the dead in Christ Jesus. And look at this. This is talking about the power that the Spirit used when He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And in Ephesians 1, 19-23, and we talked about this when we went through the book of Ephesians, that this is the most powerful scripture in the Bible. Every single Greek word for power is in this, these scriptures. It says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who, us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who dwells all in all. We have the, the Greek word for strength and might in here. We have dominion power, the Greek word for dominion power. We have the Greek word for authority and jurisdiction. And we have the Greek word for miracle working power in the scripture. And when did this all place, take place? When did all this power be, was manifest? When he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, right? And what did we just read in Romans? That that same spirit that worked all this power lives in you. See, this is going to take faith. You're going to have to trust. You're going to have to believe. See, right now you're, you're, your rational mind is trying to think, well, how is this possible? Because I look this way. I don't feel like I'm very powerful. I don't feel that I have these attributes. You know, I see it's in the Bible, but I can't reason it. And that's one of the problems with the church. The problems with the church is that faith, it, relationship is not just about knowledge. It's about experiencing. It's about trusting Right? What kind, what kind of relationship, what kind of marriage, what kind of friendship would you have if there was no just trusting that the individual loved you? What kind of relationship would it be if a person had to always be demonstrating and proving their love to you? Okay, they did this, 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 and this, so that means that they love me. That means they care for me. Right? Now, there comes a place where you just become a child and you say, you know what? Mom and dad loves me. I'm not wor worried about what's for dinner tonight because dinner's going to be there. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to say, well, I don't sit down and say, you know what? Mom and dad had dinner ready for me for the last eight years. So I guess maybe they might have dinner for me ready tonight. I hope so. I don't know. That's what we do. We, we, we try to intellectualize the Bible. We try to reason the Bible. We, we try to weigh the evidence. In the Bible, you can reason it. You can intellectually divide it. And you see, that's one of the biggest things that we see in church history is that there was a time called the Dark Ages. In the Dark Ages, the Bible was shut up in the church, right? And it was in Latin and no one could read it. The only time you could get the Word of God is when you went to church and the priest would give you a couple scriptures out of it maybe. And then you would meditate on that throughout the week. But during the, during the Dark Ages were some of the greatest documented 
signs and wonders and miracles and odd, weird stuff that happened. And what happened? We came into the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, right? The Word of God came out and was translated into uh, contemporary language. The printing press came out. People started having their own Bible. And it took us to how we are in the Western world where now we understand God. We've analyzed this so much that this is how God acts. This is what God does. And it, that's all he does. And we want, we want God to look just like how we interpret God to be. And what I find out is, what I find is that the more you just have faith and trust God and let him move in your life, after he moves, then he shows you where he is in here at the same time. And we, we've gotten to this place where we box God in and we say, God is like this. This is how our denomination thinks he is. This is how I was taught. See, most of us, with, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you come in with a lot of baggage. You might not know it, but you have a lot of baggage. And, and you have been taught doctrines. You've been taught things about the Holy Spirit that have boxed him in. And you will not allow him to do what he wants to do in your life because that's not what you've been taught. Do you understand that? Look at how the voice translation goes on to say this. In Ephesians 19.23, Let them see the full extent of your power that is at work in those of us who believe. Would that be our prayer? Let us see the full extent of your power that is at work in us, those who believe. And may it be done according to your mighty power. Friends, it is the same might and resurrection power that he used in the anointed one to raise him from the dead and to position him at the right hand of heaven. There is nothing over him. He is above all rule, authority, power, and dominion over every name invoked, over every tittle bestowed in this, or title, every title bestowed in this age and, and the next. God has placed all things beneath his feet and anointed him as head over all things for his church. This church is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. You are the fullness of the one that fills all in all. Do you believe that? Do you believe that full extent of his power dwells within you? It takes faith, doesn't it? It takes faith. It takes revelation. It takes experiencing God and walking deeper and deeper into the things of God. But this is truth. We see that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. His presence is everywhere. Look at what David says. He says in Psalms 139, 7, 8, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. See, we get this idea that God is only in the church building. God's only in certain places. But there are so many people that their testimony, their testimony is, I was on an acid trip and Jesus came and spoke to me. There are people that were in a bar. I, there's, one, there's one testimony I heard where this gentleman was in a bar. The bartender got a phone call. He picked it up and said it was for this individual. The individual went and picked up the phone and his mother was on the other line and says, I see you in that devil's den. And she starts going after him and says, the Lord showed me where you're at. You need to get out of there. You know better and all this stuff. Holy Spirit is everywhere. 
Holy Spirit is everywhere. If you go to hell, you think you're going to escape the presence of God? You think you're going to escape His beauty? You're going to escape His goodness? No. The Holy Spirit is there also. You cannot escape the presence of God, the love of God, the mercy and, and goodness of God. Holy Spirit is holy. He has he's holiness. Romans 1.4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So the Holy Spirit is holy as God is holy. Amen? He has eternalness. Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works and serve the living God. This, this eternal spirit has become one with your spirit. So why do you have eternal life? Because you've become one with God. And what is eternal life? To know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. You are in relationship. You are in union with God. Holy Spirit is truth. John 16, 13, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He comes in the authority of Jesus Christ. He, 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 he can come and speak truth in our life because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. He comes in the authority of Jesus in the earth. He has wisdom. Holy Spirit has all wisdom. Isaiah 40, 13, Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or, who has, or, or as he, his counselor has taught him? The Holy Spirit has all wisdom. And we're going to look at the Scripture here in a little bit further, in greater detail. But the Holy Spirit created the entire world. And you think, that, you think that you can counsel him, you can tell him what to do? He's all wisdom. And we're going to see the, the greatness of his wisdom in just a little bit. Life. There's all, God is the only one that has life in him. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You are free from the law of sin and death, not because of your good deeds or you, all the attaboys added up to eternal life. No, it's because... The spirit of life dwells within you. You have life dwelling within you. Amen? And we're not going to go through all these scriptures, but I just want you to be aware that the scriptures give, they give symbols that represent the Holy Spirit. The, the, these represent the Holy Spirit. They, they're, not, they're not the Holy Spirit. And, and we've seen that the Holy Spirit was represented in a symbol of a dove. He was represented in a cloud. He was represented by fire, water, wind, oil, and wine. Amen? So the scripture uses these symbols to help our minds to understand the Holy Spirit better. So we see through these last scriptures and these attributes, these divine attributes of, of Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is God. He's God. And, and it's funny that in the year 2015, we have to make people realize that Holy Spirit is God. He's not some power or some spooky ghost or something, some wind that blows through. Even those, these are attributes that the, the Bible gives the Holy Spirit, but he's truly God. And if you had the Holy Spirit in you, who do you have in you? you come on, you can, it's God. God dwells within you. God dwells within you. 
Holy Spirit has been God, and he has been from the beginning. Look at what Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the faces of the water. So at the very beginning, in the beginning, God, and that word for God is the word Elohim in the Hebrew. That word is actually plural. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we worship many gods? No. The Trinity, and the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but Godhead is. The Godhead is represented in the Bible and showed in the Bible. And to understand the Trinity, it's, it's three that are one. They have their own attributes, their own characteristics, their own personalities, but they're one in thought, purpose, and direction. They're one in all things. The closest thing, the closest thing that I can ever come up with, I've heard people talk that the, the Trinity is like an egg. You got the shell, you got the, you got the white, and you got the yolk, and it's all one. But the, thing, the truth of the matter is, is that they're all different, though. Right? The shell is a different makeup of the white, and the white's a different makeup of the yolk. And so they're not all one. They're, they make one thing, but they're, but they're all not the same. See, Holy Spirit is God. 100% God. Jesus is 100% God. The Father is 100% God. So the closest thing that I can come up with, and maybe you can think of something better, but it, it's actually H2O. Because H2O, when it's represented in ice, is still H2O. When it's represented in steam, it's H2O. When it's represented in liquid, it's still H2O. Right? So, God is like H2O, that no matter how he's being represented in the earth, whether it's by the, by the Spirit of God, whether it's through Jesus Christ, whether it is through the Father, it's all the same God. Amen? So, in the very beginning, God, plural, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And what was, what was hovering over the faces of the water? The Spirit of God. Holy Spirit was right there in the creation of the earth. And it, it even goes into greater detail in Genesis 1.26. It says, Then God said, Let us... Plural, right? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we see that we are created in the image of God. And God is like, he says, let us, plural. So who's he talking about? He's talking about God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. In, in Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is, is that after the creation of man, it says that Jehovah, which is Jesus, planted a garden for man to dwell in. Jesus literally planted a garden for man to dwell in. Jesus, that garden of Eden that Adam and Eve lived in, Jesus himself designed that, planned it, planted it for them. And it says, and he took man and put him in the garden. So he brought man and said, look what I've done for you. That's amazing to think that God would do that. I mean, fruit trees, I don't know how it was back before the fall, but it takes seven, seven years before fruit trees produce fruit nowadays. 
But so he planted the garden. It says planted. He didn't speak into existence. He planted this garden for, for Adam and Eve, and he presented it to Adam. That's awesome to think about, that Jehovah God would do that. That's, that's how much God loves us. So Holy Spirit brought all things into being. He brought all things into be, being. Jesus spoke things into being. He spoke. He had the design. He had the purpose. And Holy Spirit brings it into, into manifestation. Just like Jesus Christ made the way for us to be new creations in Christ Jesus, he, had, he filled out the Father's plan, right? Holy Spirit brings it into manifestation. Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, Holy Spirit raised us and gave us new life. Look at what Isaiah states. Look at this. Isaiah 40, 12 and 13. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with the span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, and in the hills... And the hills in a balance. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? Isaiah's got a revelation here of what Holy Spirit did when he made the earth, when he created, when he took the spiritual and made it physical. He says that the Holy Spirit measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Holy Spirit put water in his hand. And calculated, I'm not a math, mathematician, but calculated all the water in the earth. See, the, the earth, the earth, I, did, I looked at this today. The earth rotates at a rate of 1,000 miles per hour. It's actually 1,047 or something like that. So right now, we're spinning on this earth at 1,047 miles an hour, round and round and round and round. In 24 hours, the earth goes around one whole time at a rate of just a little over 1,000 miles an hour. And at the same time, we are orbiting the sun. So we're going around and we're going around like this. Guess how fast? Anybody want to know how fast we're orbiting the sun right now? How fast we're moving? Anywhere from 66 to 67,000 miles an hour. 67,000 miles an hour we're going around the sun. In 365 days we make one lap around the sun. 67,000 miles an hour going this way and 1,000 miles an hour going this way. And at the same time, at the same time, the moon has a magnetic pole on the earth, a, gra or a gravitational pole or whatever, however that works. And the earth, the, the oceans of the earth move. You have the tides that come in and out, right? So literally what happens, if you could step back and see it from an angle, is that the, the ocean is flat. And then as the tide starts pulling out, it, builds, it pulls it back like a mountain. It pulls it back up on, on top of itself. And then it goes back down. And the Holy Spirit was able to calculate all that and make it so the earth was never out of balance. You ever have a car that had a tire out of balance? 
You ever had someone throw a medicine ball at you? You've never got up in the morning and said, whoa, the earth must be out of balance. I mean, earthquakes, that's different. That's the, the crust rubbing up against each other. But think about this. Think about how much rain is evaporated in one place, goes thousands and thousands of miles, and drops it in another place. And the earth never stops spinning, never stops going around. Right? Holy Spirit calculated all that. Think of all the, the, the water that we've sucked out of places and put to other places. Right? We got water pipes that go thousands of miles and we're sucking it into one place, putting it into another place. Holy Spirit, he measured this all out in the palm of his hand. He goes on to say, he measured heaven with a span. What is a span? Does anybody know what a span is? A span is the width between your thumb and your pinky. It was a common, common measurement in this time, these times. And one commentary says that the Hebrew Bible literally says that he measured out the heavens in a nine-inch span. I have small hands. I have an eight-inch span. So God, Holy Spirit has a little bit bigger hand than I do. Remember he said, let us make man in our image. See, see if, if you're really going to believe the Bible, you can't just say, well, God is just huge and big and he's all over. Yeah, he's all over. He's, his presence is felt everywhere. But we think that he's just this big, huge mountain. Scripture doesn't, or, you know, mountainous of a, of a being. Scripture doesn't give that to us. Think about Holy Spirit comes in you. I'm 6'1", so right now Holy Spirit is 6'1". Right? Some of you are a little shorty. Maybe you're 5'11". Five, five Holy Spirit is 5'11 in you. But he measured out the universe. He measured out the heavens with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. He weighed, he weighed dust. He weighed dust when he made the earth. He made... Now you know why in Proverbs it says that he even knows the steps of the ant. He took in consideration ants moving about on the earth. He took in consideration the mining that we would do. Your diamonds in your, in your pretty rings, those didn't come from your backyard. They didn't even come from this state. Most of them came from Africa. How, how many tons of diamonds have been mined, mined, mined out of there and took into another place? How much oil have we sucked out of the earth and took it to another place? And the earth is still going around. It's still going a thousand, we haven't slowed down, we're still a thousand miles an hour, 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. Holy Spirit calculated all these things. In World War II, how many tons of bombs were dropped? 3.4 million tons. And the earth keeps spinning around. Holy Spirit calculated all of this. He took into consideration all of these things. So do you need to be fearful that the planet's going to come to an earth end? Not at all. Do you, does that mean you don't take care of the earth? 
Come on, this is our home. This is, we're supposed to be stewards. We're supposed to be taking care of this planet. Right? We don't litter. We don't do these things because it's our nature not to do these things. Right? We do what's best for humanity and for the earth because the earth represents the glory of God. And when you start looking at stuff like this, it just represents how big, how awesome God is, how, how, how much glory is in the very creation. It's amazing. It's amazing. See, Holy Spirit, a lot of people think that Holy Spirit just showed up on the day of Pentecost, did that crazy, goofy thing where people were talking in another language and then just disappeared. Other people think that the Holy Spirit showed up, did that thing in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and then he stuck around with the apostles until the Bible was finished, then he just disappeared. No, the Holy Spirit didn't just show up on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit just didn't show up when Jesus came out of the water and, and it descended on him like a dove. Holy Spirit has been around forever. According to the Bible, you know, 6,000 years is what, is what we have from Genesis 1 to where we are now. Is the earth older than that? Well, I don't know, but the Bible does give me 6,000 years. So for 6,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been at work in the earth. This isn't some new thing. Holy Spirit has always been here. 4,000 years before the cross and close to 2,000 years following the, to the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit was here. Holy Spirit has been working for humanity with the same goal as the Father and the Son has, and that's to bring you into relationship with Him. See, I, I got to reiterate this over and over and over again, is that Holy Spirit isn't, we don't seek after the Holy Spirit so we can get him to do some religious tricks for us. Supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit come as a result of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The more intimate you are with the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to see Holy Spirit move in your life. The more you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and are obedient to the Holy Spirit and submit to the Holy Spirit and turn over, give Him the, the authority to, to move and work in your life, the more you're going to see the God of wonders manifest in your life. The whole goal, the whole goal of Jesus Christ coming to earth, the whole goal of God the Father creating this awesome plan to redeem mankind, the whole goal of sending Holy Spirit to dwell within human beings is to bring us into a place of intimacy and fellowship with God Almighty. That's awesome. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This is another thing that we've got to think about here. I'm going to bring this all back into a nice, neat package at the end, but think about this. Who did we just read dwells within your body? Holy Spirit, right? So the one that calculated all those calculations in the palm of his hand, that measured the heavens in a span, that measured the dust of the earth, and the world keeps spinning and spinning, is in you. Can someone agree with me that maybe we haven't really scratched the surface on the revelation that's available to the church? Can someone agree with me that, that Peter, Paul, James, John, 
really didn't scratch the surface. They, they might have been farther than you are, and maybe farther than I am, but when you take into consideration who, who lives within you, who you have come into divine union with, have been baptized, submerged into, have become one with, who dwells in you? We, we haven't even scratched, we haven't even scratched the surface to what's available to the church. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. If you read this in the King James Version, it kind of sounds kind of poetic. Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you. And we think Jesus was just a very poetic, kind of smooth operator. No, Jesus was saying words. He wasn't being poetic. He was saying a word, and that word is truth. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And then you need to think about this. When the Son of the living God gets ready to say something to you, and he starts out by saying, listen, I'm going to tell you something that's pretty hard to say here, but I'm telling you the truth. Your ears should perk up because Jesus is basically saying, I'm about to tell you something that... Your carnal mind cannot grasp. You cannot understand this. But nevertheless, it is the absolute truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your benefit that I go away. He's talking to Peter here. He's talking to Peter. He went to Peter's house and his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law. I think this is why Peter might have denied Jesus three times. But he raised his, his mother-in-law from death. She had the fever, and he raised her up, right? James and John and Peter also were in, in the house. Jairus, what's his name? Jairus, thank you. Jairus, I had the J in my head. Jairus' daughter was sick. And Jesus, and to the point of death, and he, she actually died before Jesus got there. And Jesus put everybody out of the house, except Peter, James, and John. And they seen him pray for that little girl and raise her from the dead. They seen Jesus heal the blind, cause the dumb to speak, the deaf to hear. Deaf to hear. They've seen all this. They've seen how Jesus fed 5,000, which is actually about 15,000 because it was men, not counting women and children. He took a little boy's lunch and gave it to Jesus, and Jesus blessed it. And everybody ate, and there are 12 baskets left over. And they collected these baskets. You ever think about that? This is a little side note, but... This is good. I heard this just a, couple, a month ago or something. Is that, uh, why did they pick up the baskets? Why did they pick up 12 baskets and bring them back? Because there was a little boy that gave his lunch. And you never give anything to the Lord without the Lord blessing you back. Those baskets were brought to the little boy. And you, you say, well, you can't prove that. Well, according to Scripture, it says you can't give without receiving back. Why would they pick up all these baskets? They picked up the baskets, they brought them back to the little boy and said, here you go. 
But they've seen this God. They've seen Jesus doing all these miraculous things. You're a fisherman, okay? And your income is fishing. And this man tells you, throw your net on the other side of the boat, and you bring the boat in, you bring the, throw the nets in there, you pick it up, and it starts to break the nets. They come and help you get in the boat. The boat starts to sink. See, you think, well, that's just a bunch of fish. No, that's a bunch of money for a fisherman. Jesus, this man that has done all these things is saying, hey, it's better for me, that I, for you, that I go away. See how it might be a little hard for them to believe? How can anything be better than having Jesus with us? How can anything be better than having the God of all supply with us? I mean, they, see, they, they, they had to pay their taxes, and Jesus says, go fishing, and the first fish that you catch, open up its mouth, and there'll be money in its mouth, and go pay for you and I. And what's interesting, it says, if you read that, it says, the first fish that you catch. Well, if there's a first fish, there has to be a second fish, a third fish, a fourth fish. He's a fisherman. They didn't fish with a hook. It was a net. They picked up a net of fish. And it was, <laughs> they had money in it. Whatever, think about that. But this is the man that dwelt with them for three years. This is the man that did signs and wonders. This is the man that t- sent the 12 out and said, Do, um, go cast out demons, heal the sick in my name. This is the man that said, sent the 72 out and said, don't take anything. Or, or he told them to take a purse and a staff and stuff. But anyways, sent the 72 out and they healed the sick. They preached the gospel that Je- and prepared the way of, of Jesus coming into these places. This is the man. This is the man that did all these things. And he's sitting here and saying, listen, I tell you the truth, it is better that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit has been treated very badly by Mother Church? Holy Spirit has been, been neglected by the church, neglected by the church body, the members individually that you are. We have neglected Holy Spirit. What is available to the believer? What is available to the believer that Holy Spirit, it's better for Holy Spirit to be here than Jesus to be incarnate. When Holy Spirit comes into the believer, everything, the empowerment that Jesus had to do all those things that they've seen was now in each individual believer. Think about that. See, Here's the thing of it is, even though Jesus was 100% God, it says in Philippians that he laid down his right to be God and to become man and dwell among us and to be obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Everything that Jesus Christ did was as a man. Everything Jesus was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Every miracle that Jesus did. And on top of that, Jesus fulfilled the entire law of Moses. He kept the law. The reason why he could heal is because the law made provision for healing. The Holy Spirit was in Jesus Christ, and he says, it's better that I go away that I might send the Holy Spirit, the helper, to you. So you could have the same ability that Jesus Christ had. I'm telling you, see, this is where faith comes in. If Holy Spirit lives within you, we have the same ability that Jesus had, and that's why it's better, because instead of having one man walk this, along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, we have hundreds, thousands walking the streets of Vassar, Millington, Frankenmuth, Saginaw, wherever you walk. Holy Spirit's there with you. And why, why will he do these signs and wonders? Why will he manifest in your life? Why will he do things that only God can do in your life? Because of Jesus. Not because you're some super duper. But I'm telling you the truth. It, it, there's a renewing of the mind that has to take place. Even You have to come into cooperation with the Holy Spirit. You have to be led. You have... I, I, I say this not to condemn anybody. You know me. I don't want to condemn anybody. But if you have a hard time in your heart, you want to raise your hand, but you have a hard, during worship, and you have a hard time just lifting your hand to the, to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants you to express unto God praise and worship and honor. It's going to be even harder to go up to someone on the street and pray for them to, to receive healing. It's the little steps that we take, that intimate, the intimacy, that, that thing where we, we, we don't want to do anything that would hinder our relationship with Holy Spirit. That, that little thing where, where, where holiness and, and the glory of God and the secret place of God are so much more exciting than the sin that you think that's important to you right now. We don't stop sinning because of morality, we stopped sinning because we found something better. The presence of Almighty God, that secret place, that dwelling place. And the thing of it is, is we need to get God inside-minded. We have to get God inside-minded that He's with you always. As you're vacuuming the house, Holy Spirit's there with you. As you're working in the garden, Holy Spirit's there with you. As you're at the job site, Holy Spirit's there with you. He's always with you. Is is it great to get away and be intimate and quiet and find that quiet place with the Holy Spirit? Yes, but we got to get to a place where everywhere we go, we are so God-inside-minded, so Holy Spirit-minded that God is with us wherever we go and we can be in fellowship. We can have access. We can have wisdom. We can have power. We can have ability in every situation we go because we are so tuned in to God inside us. Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 6.16 And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This takes faith. This takes faith. 
Why is it better that Jesus Christ go, that the, he might send the Holy Spirit? So that you can become the temple of the living God. So you can ha be the temple of the living God. Jerusalem, for the Israelites, the tabernacle in the temple, Holy Spirit was boxed up inside the Holy of Holies over top of the mercy seat, which is, represents Jesus Christ. The Ark of the Covenant, the law was put in it. The curse was put in it. And it represents Jesus Christ. It was, over, it was wood overlaid with gold representing his, his humanity and then also his divinity. And Holy Spirit abodes over that. And you were recreated into the very image of Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit. All of heaven. See, all of heaven, when you read the book of Revelations, it's a, it's a, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and all heaven is pointed, directed, giving honor and glory to Jesus. And heaven is drawn to Jesus. The same way, that's why he's given you his nature. Because all of heaven is drawn to you because his nature has been put inside you. You have the Spirit of Christ, and Holy Spirit abodes. He, he comes upon. He comes within. You are totally submerged in Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God dwells in you. He says, I will. I will. What's God's will? I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I will be their God. I will be their God. What does that mean, to be our God? What is the God? Well, if you, if you go by pagan idea of God, it's something to, to sacrifice to and to atone for, and that they're always angry with you, and you've got to make sure you take care of their needs. But if you go to the, to the God of Israel, the Christian God, he is a God that is always delivering. He's a God that's always saving. He's a God that's always providing. He's a God that's always leading and directing. He is a God that is the breasty one, Jehovah Rapha, the, or Jehovah Jireh, the breasty one that, that meets all of our needs. He wants to be God in you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to walk in you and dwell in you. He wants to be your provider of all things. He wants to be God in you. He will, wants to be your God. But we have to decide to put him on the throne. We have to decide if we're going to be our own God. We have to decide if, if intellectualism and sophistication and the world's idea of science and the world's idea of understanding, if... If that's going to be reason, is that going to be our God or are we a people of faith that, that believe what the Bible says and, and, and puts God on the throne of our lives? Amen? Amen. So what do you say? I mean, this is, this is big. If you've never thought about this stuff before, and I'm telling you, I'm, we're just scratching the surface. I'm just scratching the surface of God in my life. How important is Holy Spirit to you? I mean, right now on Sunday 2 of this, this series, you're probably thinking, well, Holy Spirit's really important to me. How much was it three weeks ago? How important? See, this is the thing is, is we got to make sure that <clears throat> we continue 
to meditate and think upon these things. Because, you know, we do a teaching on healing. Everybody's excited about healing. And then we move on to something else, and people don't, their faith isn't as excited about healing anymore. You, you, moved, you moved to Holy Spirit. Everybody's excited about Holy Spirit. You move to righteousness and holiness. Everybody's excited about that. But this all comes together in one. Holy Spirit, how important is Holy Spirit in your life? Do you depend on Holy Spirit daily? Do you fellowship with Holy Spirit? Or do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Do you, do you quench the Holy Spirit? As we as a church, we got to make sure we don't quench the Holy Spirit. See, the thing of it is, is that the Holy Spirit wants to do things through you. And by you quenching the Holy Spirit, you are robbing me. Do you understand that? You are robbing your neighbors. You guys are gifted to do things in this body, miraculous things, weird things, that only the Holy Spirit can do. And when you refuse to do it, when you quench or you deny or you subdue the Holy Spirit, you are robbing this body. And we all suffer. The gifts of the Spirit are not for the individual. The gifts of the Spirit are for the body, for the world. And when you refuse to let the Holy Spirit move in you, you're robbing us. You're robbing us. And I'm telling you, each one of you, God wants to move mightily in your life. Each one of you, God wants to do things in your life. Well, each one of you, God wants to do things that might cause people to say, that's a little strange, but the Holy Spirit is the only thing that will cause this church to be what God has destined it to be. And by us allowing Holy Spirit to move in our life, we will see it come to pass. We can't resist the Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit's pretty big. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. The Holy Spirit is God. That the Holy Spirit has been here forever. The Holy Spirit is what caused Jesus to be raised from the dead and caused Jesus to do the signs and wonders and the miracles that he did while he was on earth. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You're a lot bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. You have heaven inside you. You have heaven inside you. And it's amazing to think, and I don't expect you to be able to grasp it all in this little message. But what I do hope is that you would leave this place and you would meditate on it. You would ask Holy Spirit to bring revelation to, to you on it. That you would start communing with Holy Spirit and that you, he, he would start showing you glimpses, glimpses of things to come, glimpses of, of who you are, glimpses of where we are as a church are, are going so that we can be a unified body. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.